When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello, everybody, and welcome into a new edition of the Patriots Beat Podcast here on the CLNS Media Podcast Network and on Patriots Press Pass on YouTube. I'm Evan Lazar, joined as always by Alex Barth, and I want to get to... Some of the Odell stuff here in a second, Alex, and just put a bow on the Odell Beckham Jr. sweepstakes, pursuit, whatever you want to call it. But some news just coming down right now from ESPN's Field Yates is that uh, Brown's top running back, Nick Chubb, will not play in the game on Sunday. So no Nick Chubb for the Browns. I do think this considerably changes the equation for the Patriots defense and how you game plan and scheme up against this Browns offense. Well, it certainly helps, right? You know, you don't have to face an elite running back. And we also know Kareem Hunt's not playing. Demetrik Felton, who we both really like during the draft, isn't playing. So, yeah, yeah, they're they're in good shape. Uh, you know, it's it's interesting because we'll, I'm sure we'll talk about the Patriots running backs, too. And Stevenson, excuse me, Stevenson and Harris both missing practice today. So we've all been talking about all week. And we, I mean, me, you, and Matt Dolph, who I work with, everybody who's covering this game. Yeah, we've been talking about winning up front, running the football in the trenches, all of that. Both teams might have to throw the ball on Sunday. And that could be really interesting because I don't think that's what anybody expected. I think it could be fun. But uh, certainly this game kind of taking a hard left turn here in the, in the few days leading up. I actually think that heavily favors the Patriots if they this turns into a passing game. And mainly because I'm confident in the Patriots' pass defense right now and the way that they've been playing without Odell in Cleveland. We're going to talk about Odell not coming here to New England, but without Odell in Cleveland, uh, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Jarvis Landry, their tight ends, uh, that's what they're working with really right now with the Browns. And you start to look at some of these pieces. Uh, Peoples-Jones has played well over the last couple of weeks, about the last month or so. He's been a a dynamic downfield threat but mostly off of play action, right? And skewing up those deep shots off of PA. And you look at Dearness Johnson. He started a couple of weeks ago on that Thursday night game against the Denver Broncos and averaged over 6.6 yards per attempt. So this guy can run the football, right? And the Browns can still run the football, but their offensive line mostly healthy without Nick Chubb. But the biggest difference that you see with Chubb versus without Chubb uh, for Cleveland is in the passing numbers, right? Because you got these teams that are all 11 guys on the field know how hard it is to tackle Nick Chubb in the open field. So the safeties, the corners, everybody's got to come up and help out in the tackling. And then you get them beat by play action, right? Those safeties start to creep up. The corners start to worry about Chubb in the back of their minds. And that's when you start to hit them down the field with play action. So 
They are actually almost just as good statistically uh, handing the ball off to Kareem Hunt or Dearness Johnson as they are handing the football off to Nick Chubb. But Baker Mayfield's averaging over three yards per attempt more when they're able to throw the ball with Nick Chubb on the field because of that play action sequencing that you see. Yeah, so the running back does matter is what you're saying. The running back matters as a schematic thing. And I talked to Devin, uh, this was on my list of things to discuss because I knew we were going to bring this up because the Patriots have two running backs that might not play in this game. And the Browns now we know Nick Chubb is not playing for Cleveland. So I asked Devin McCourty, how do you go about stopping play action? Cause the Patriots have done very well this season against play action fourth in the league and yards per attempt allowed against play action this season. And he said, stopping the run. Now that's something that the analytics nerds cringe at, right? When you, they hear stopping the runs, the key to slowing down. Jeez, play I, action. I wonder who would know more about yeah. NFL yeah. defense. Yeah. But the reason why Devin McCourty said that, and, and I think it makes total sense is as the deep safety in the middle of the field, taking Devin McCourty, for example, when you're going up against a guy like Nick Chubb, who can get to the second and third level of the defense and break tackles with the best of them, you're thinking about your responsibility of eliminating those big running plays. And now you have to worry about two different things. I think what you can see statistically is when Chubb is not in the game for Cleveland, teams are less worried about tackling Dearness Johnson with the seven guys that they commit or the eight guys that they commit in the box to the run, right? The, the right. deep safeties, the outside corners, they're not as concerned about the fact that they have to tackle Nick Chubb anymore. So now they get into a game where I feel like earlier on in the week in my Patriots game plan, I kind of talked about the Patriots playing base defense again, putting uh, three big defensive tackles on the field together with the four true linebackers and loading up to stop Chubb. Now I think this becomes a lot more about nickel package and a lot more about stopping the play action passing and stopping the passing game with Baker Mayfield than it does against Dearness Johnson. If Dearness Johnson beats you like he did against Denver a few weeks ago, and you have seven guys in the box and Dearness Johnson runs for 150 yards against you, then you probably weren't meant to win that game that day. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. I think not just stopping the pass, but getting after Baker Mayfield. I think that's the best, just to kind of use that as a jumping off point. I think that's the the, the best thing the Patriots can do in this game. Obviously, you got to cover. I'm really interested to see what they do about Jarvis Landry. Is that going to be Miles Bryant, right? But right. Baker Mayfield is what I like. He doesn't have a short memory. He's like, he, I, I call him a, a snowball quarterback. And what I mean by yeah. that is, Whatever happens early in the game, it's going to snowball. And that can go both ways. If you let him come out and have a good first drive, I mean, he's going to start to feel it, and he's going to make like tough life tough on you. But if Matt Judon introduces himself to Baker Mayfield early in this game, and Baker's getting knocked around, and you know he's not getting the time he wants, that compounds in his mind. You can see him get very frustrated easily. If he throws an early pick, it's going to stick with him. So I think the, the earlier they get on Baker, the better – and it's that much easier to get after Baker when you don't have to worry as much about the run. Yeah, yeah, I think that's exactly it. And and you look at the way that they sequence together their play action passes with their runs on first and second down. This is one of those games for the Patriots that is going to be won or lost on first down. If the Patriots can limit the running game and they can limit the play actions on early downs and they can get the Browns into passing third down situations. Right now, Cleveland is 25th in the league in success rate 
on third down when they have to throw the ball, right? They're not a good passing third down team. The biggest reason being is that play action is not a threat. When you're in third and nine, they can't scheme up play action shots down the field for Baker. So they have to spread the field. They go empty a lot and they don't have necessarily the one-on-one weapons. Jarvis Landry is not the guy he used to be. Donovan Peoples-Jones is starting to come on here a little bit. They have some tight ends that are mismatches when they use some of the early down scheming that they have. But this is a lot like the games that we've seen in the past against the Niners, against the Rams. Stefanski does it his own way in the run game to a degree. They're more of a gap power running team than some of the outside zone teams that you see uh, out out west with the Rams in San Francisco and, and Green Bay. But they are a first and second down team. That's how they, they want to thrive. That's where they want to thrive, and they don't want to uh, play a ton uh, on third down. If the Patriots can get this game into Baker Mayfield's hands, and they can take play action away, so he has to beat them with traditional drop-back passing. I I really like their chances in this game. I I think that they're going to be able to control Baker. Now, the question is, and we also asked a bunch of people about this during the week, Alex, will the zone coverage stuff continue? Is this another week where we're going to see a lot of zone? Because statistically – that Baker is uh, worse against man than he is against zone. They have some, he has some trouble beating man coverage. They don't have Odell anymore. So they don't have their man coverage guy, but the Patriots have been so successful with the zone coverages over the last couple of weeks. Is that a blueprint? I mean, Devin McCourty said, we'll see, right. We, we can go every week. We could be a little bit different, but is that a blueprint? Do you think that this team's going to continue to fall back on moving forward or do you think we'll see them sprinkle man back in there a little bit more yeah this week is a good test right I I think match zone is certainly something we see a good amount this week I think it all comes down to what they want to do with Jarvis Landry and we we know Belichick is a big Jarvis Landry fan right he's somebody who's going to have his respect so what I I you know I'm not worried about Donovan Peoples-Jones if I'm the Patriots like he's a good player but I'm not game planning around Donovan Peoples-Jones. I like Anthony Schwartz. We're not game planning around Anthony Schwartz if he plays in this game, right? Um, You know, I think it's going to be how do they want to cover Jarvis Landry and then they'll build it out from there. Yeah, it's going to be interesting because uh, Cleveland runs a lot of those two-man route combinations off of play action, right? Like post, crosser, or bootleg action where they have the different levels of the tight end leaking across and then an intermediate crosser and then a deep cross or a deep post or corner route. And that's how they kind of structure it. So the Patriots have been able to play cover three on the back end against those. And you basically have three coverage guys against two receivers, right? And that's how you're able to scheme it up. But there are some ways that I've seen Stefanski have answers to that. Uh, obviously, like a play like Leak, right, where they sneak the tight end out the backside of the formation and you have the three guys up top worried about the two receivers down the field and you leak the tight end out. Or you can try to get into some empty stuff with Cleveland, certainly, and they will empty the backfield. So maybe that is another thing that they can look at uh, this week. And I, my biggest concern coming into this game, if Chubb had played, 
was that the Patriots were going to want to play base defense, but the Browns do have the ability to go empty. So if you get into base defense and the Browns spread you out five wide and now Dante Hightower or Jawan Bentley is, has to take a running back or a tight end one-on-one somewhere, that can be problematic for the Patriots. Now that Chubb isn't playing, I think the Patriots can play out of more nickel and now you get your matchups back, right, against some of those extra people. But this is a fun game because – this is your type of game, Alex. This is a old school. I'm excited. I'm excited, man. Mouth. Even without Nick Chubb, uh, there's still going to be a lot of running the football. There's going to be a lot of uh, three tight end, two tight end packages on both sides of the ball. There, This is old school. All the analytics nerds uh, talk about all this passing game stuff. The Browns have built themselves in the trenches. They have invested in the offensive line, and they've invested in the defensive line basically more than they've invested anywhere else. Yeah. No, I, I, it's going to be smash mouth football. I was walking out to practice today, and the wind's howling. It's starting to rain, and I'm like, if only we had this on Sunday. Like, this yeah. is such football weather today. But, no, yeah. it's it, it's going to be a really fun game. But then you add in that element of neither team, you know, both teams might be without their, their power backs that really make these right. things go. And now it's like, okay, now you really have to get creative. Now you really have to think outside the box, and it's it's a test of a good coach in Bill Belichick. And a, we'll see. I, I mean, I've made my point on Kevin Stefanski before. I put him in that Kyle Shanahan, Matt Lafleur group. Oh no, um, all the wannabe Sean McVay's out there. But uh, he's going to need it, this game's going to be a lot about coaching too. So yeah. we'll we'll see what Stefanski does if he can rise to the occasion. He's had his rough moments. He's certainly had his rough moments. Yeah. So. What I like about Stefanski, and I, I think his passing game is is not as impressive watching it on tape as as what you would see out of maybe Shanahan or or McVay, but his run game is more impressive in a lot of ways. Maybe more kind of more up to par with Shanahan. The the one thing I I always had a problem with with McVay is he's kind of one dimensional in the run game, right? They're very heavy outside zone, and that's just kind of what they do. Now. Stefanski, he mixes it up. Uh, they have right. a really good schemed run game where they can pull guards on you. Uh, they can run zone. They can run mid zone or outside zone. Uh, they can run all sorts of different types of things. They can put uh, tight ends in the backfield or fullbacks in the backfield and play lead or, or outside zone lead. Then they can pull Teller or Betonio. And, and those two guys are two of the best power pulling guards in the NFL. So when I look at the matchups in the trenches, there's going to be a lot of Devon Godshaw and Lawrence guy having to hold up against double teams on the line of scrimmage. That's for sure. But you look at those two guards, uh, Betonio and Teller, who they just paid uh, this week, uh, big extensions to both of those guys, two of the best guards in football, Dante Hightower and Jawan Bentley coming downhill to take on the pullers. That is going to be, that's going to happen 50 times on Sunday. Right. And there's going to be a ton of collisions there uh, between those guys. I think both Hightower and Bentley have come under fire between certain Patriots fans, certain media about how good of seasons they've actually had, or Bentley maybe more last season was kind of under fire a little bit. This is a Bentley and Hightower special. This is their type of game. Because if you get Teller and Batonio pulling up to Adrian Phillips or Kyle Duggar, it's going to be a long afternoon for the Patriots. So those two guys are going to play a lot on Sunday. We are back and better than ever. All eyes are on the gridiron as teams are back for another football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. 
with a new updated site and interface, even more odds, props, and contests. Bet online continues to be the number one source for everything football. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Don't forget to use our promo code CLNS50 to receive your bonus. From football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games, don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet Online, where the game starts. So, the other interesting thing for me in terms of personnel against the run is what do we see from Christian Barmore in this game? Because yeah. he's played more and more and more as the season got, has gone on. 68% usage rate last week. That's a season high. He was at low 60s the two weeks before that. But you're playing pass-heavy teams, right? It makes sense to have him out there. Now, this is not a pass-heavy team. The Rams run the ball the third most of any team in football just about 50% of the time. They're nearly evenly split. Yeah. So. Does that mean Christian Barmer takes a step back this week? Is he trusted more against the run this week? Do we because we've seen him as we've seen him against the run at times, but not consistently? Like it feels like if he's going to play this week, he has to play against the run consistently. The other interesting element of this is JC Treader is hurt, right? The Browns starting right. center. He missed practice one day this week. He was limited another day with a knee injury. So I'm really interested to see. Do we does Christian Barmore? Is this the week Christian Barmore becomes a true three-down player? Or is this game going to be more heavy on, you know, some of the guys you mentioned, uh, Lawrence Guy, Devon Godshaw? Is this a big Carl Davis game? Yeah. Carl Davis hasn't played a ton, but if there was a game where they were going to use him significantly on defense, this feels like it's it, right? Yeah. So last week against Carolina, they had, I think it was the first time they used that line, right? Carl Davis was at nose tackle and Godshaw and Lawrence Guy were the defensive ends in the 3-4. And that still feels like maybe the way that they go with this, even with Nick Chubb out of this game, because they might look to stop the run with seven now instead of eight guys, because Chubb's not going to be here, uh, not going to play. So if that's going to be the case, then putting three guys that are 320 plus on the line uh, that can control gaps, that can take on double teams and keep that linebacker level clean to pull uh, to take on the pullers and come downhill and stuff like that, that might be the way that they go about it. But taking Christian Barmore off the field is tough, right? I mean, taking a guy that's as hot as he is right now off the field is difficult. And I think one of the things that you definitely look at from that game last week against Carolina was – Barmore's ability to pressure Sam Darnold on play action, right? Because when they run the play action and you have Davis, Guy, and Godshaw, unless your linebacker level is coming through or Judon's coming through, uh, there's not going to be a ton of pressure on the quarterback. And we know what it looks like with those play action schemes if you can't get to Baker. So Barmore could be a guy that gets a gap, right? They might say you have the backside B or you have the backside edge and if you're, it's not. If you read run or you read pass, excuse me, uh, pin your ears back and get after the quarterback. Right. We'll, we'll ha- let everybody else worry about the gap integrity. But that's a, a slippery slope because then they'll obviously start targeting him in the run game, and Barmore has to be confident that he's able to take on double teams and hold up against double teams. Because the, back to the you know, do running backs matter conversation. 
this offensive line, unless, you know, we'll see if J.C. Treader goes in this game. Uh, but the Browns are able to block it up in the run game, and it, they're able to get their backs to produce regardless of who's back there to a degree in the run game, whether it's Chubb or it's Hunt or it's Dearness Johnson. As I mentioned, that Thursday night game, uh, two, three weeks ago, Dearness Johnson ran for 142 yards on the Denver Broncos. So they can run the ball regardless of the back. So – I don't want to take Barmore off the field either, uh, but this definitely feels like one of those games where they have to focus on keeping the second level clean and having a guy like Barmore that might not be, I would say the same thing about Dietrich wise, right? Not, not a big Dietrich wise game to me. Uh, Maybe on second and long third downs, you put those guys on the field, Uh, but we'll, we'll see what happens. I think a lot of it depends on how the, Brown's game plan and call the game uh, with Dearness in the backfield instead of Nick Chubb. That that's a big difference for them too, um, from how they're going to call it. So uh, we'll see what happens. But a really fascinating chess match here between Kevin Stefanski and Bill Belichick. And I'll give Steve a shout out too, and and Steve Belichick as well uh, to see how who blinks right. Like, are the Browns going to blink and get into their passing game stuff and maybe go empty or something like that, or are the Patriots going to blink and go into a base defense and then get themselves spread out. And that, that could be problems for the Pats. So one more note on the coaching matchup and Evan, you're going to hate this, but I don't really care. Okay. The Browns are super aggressive this year in terms of fourth down decisions. Yeah. I think they've gone for it 18 times so far through nine games. I'm not saying you need to be overly conservative this week, but this feels like a game where points are at a premium and three points might mean something in this game. Just the ability to flip the field might mean something in this game. Obviously, we've talked about the Patriots maybe being over-conservative at times, and I'm not saying that they need to go back to that permanently, but this is a week where being conservative might be an advantage because, again, if teams are having trouble scoring, and it seems like both teams, there's a chance both teams will have trouble scoring, those three points can mean a lot. And if you're going to get impatient, and start forcing fourth downs and leave points on the board. Like you could do that in a 49 42 game because well, you're probably going to get another chance to score because of the game flow. This doesn't feel like one of those games. Every drive is going to matter. Every point's going to matter. I think putting points on the board when you have a chance, whether it be kicking field goals, whether it be flipping the field, things like that matter. Now the flip side of that is third and goal from the one you have to hit even fourth and goal from the one. You got to get seven there. You have right. to like some of the red zone stuff we've seen the Patriots struggle with yeah. the struggles against the, the Chargers. So maybe being more aggressive and in goal situations is a way to go here. But I wonder if the Browns are as aggressive as they've been on fourth down, because that to me in a game like this, the way this game projects to go could be something that comes back to bite them. Now you can chew my head off. <laughs> no, it's interesting because a few weeks ago when the Patriots played the Chargers, um, Brandon Staley was one of the most aggressive fourth down play callers in the entire NFL going into that game. And he didn't go for it very often on fourth down in situations where he was going for it on fourth down in other games. So he almost psyched himself out on it, right? Like Belichick almost psyched him out to not, to not go for it there. I think maybe situationally he just thought the Patriots were going to have an upper hand and and be so prepared uh, for what they like to run on fourth down uh, that they would be ready for whatever they threw at them. And and they ended up punting on a few occasions where in the first eight, seven, eight games of the year, the Chargers were going for it in all those spots. And it, favor the Patriots right the Patriots got their offense off the field they forced punts they got their offense on it so yeah it's going to be an interesting game I don't expect the Patriots at all 
to be more aggressive on fourth down. I think they're going to do exactly what they've done all year long, which is each individual decision is different, right? They went for it for fourth as it down. should be, yeah. as it should be. They went for it for fourth down. Was it last week or the week before on fourth and two? They they went for it uh, on the other uh, side of the fifty. It's the Chargers game. Oh no, it was the Jets game because it was the yeah. week after everybody freaked out. Yeah, it was the Jets game. They go, yeah, yeah, they go for it on fourth down, and uh, it just goes up and down every single week whether they're going to go for it or not. Uh, the Browns are a very aggressive team. The Chargers are a very aggressive team. Uh, there's a reason for that, right? It was because they run themselves. I wouldn't call the Browns analytical. I know a lot of people want to. Oh, the Browns are very analytical. Do you not remember when they were hiring the head coach? Yeah. It came out that people were turning down the job because you had to have the game plan in by Friday at 4 o'clock so the math nerds could double-check it. I I don't. I actually, to be fair, I don't know if that's still the case. Uh, But – what I'll say – and there are some some proof out there, right, that – Guard play and tackle play on the line of scrimmage in the offensive line are the most stable year to year. So if you pay a guard or you pay a tackle, then you're most likely going to know exactly what you're going to get out of that player for the life of the contract. That's what PFF did studies on this and, and other analytics houses have done studies on that. And they look at offensive line play is the easiest investment. If you have a good offensive lineman, if you have a Shaq Mason or if you have a Wyatt Teller, that guy's going to be good every single year, right? So paying him is a no-brainer. The Browns, though, have kind of zigged a little bit in the analytical community because they're not all about loading up on receivers and cornerbacks, right? They've loaded up a ton on defensive line and offensive line, which is good. That's They've built the team the right way. They have. I'm talking about in-game. Yes, in, 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 in-game, in-game they are. They're very, they are very, yeah, yeah. From a from a big picture standpoint, I think that they uh, are analytical, but they maybe have a little bit of a different rhythm than some of the other analytical teams do. Uh, but in-game wise, you're 100 percent right. They, they they're going to go for it on fourth down when the math tells them to go for it on fourth down. That that's at least so far this year. Like I said, the Chargers didn't do that a few weeks ago. Right. So we'll see what happens. Yeah, so I again, I just think it's something that, you know, we'll see if the Browns can kind of lean away from it like the Chargers did. We'll see if they stick with it. But yeah, uh, another, another, I think I still have my scoreboard here. I do. Another math game. Another math game. Ma- another if, math if, game here a little bit. If the Patriots win this one, then then score one for the math. Okay. Or not the math, right? For the, not for the, the old, old, the actual football. football. Here, I have it right. I have it right here. Remember this? Yes, I remember. You can you're you're gonna you can keep a win loss record go. moving forward, right? I might I'm trying have to think to. it. They, they don't have a ton of. I mean, the Bills are a math team. Let's face it. Buffalo is it runs by the math for the most part. They throw the ball a ridiculous amount. They they do all the analytics buzz. You want to go through schedule right here, real quick? Browns are math. Falcons yeah. aren't really math, are they? No, they no. well they they they're not good enough to be anything right now. Okay, so. Tit- Titans are very much not math. Not math. No. Um, Bills are math. The Colts yeah. are, can't math. be math. Carson Wentz. 100% math. Bill. Yeah, Carson Wentz sucks. All right, so that's yeah. a math team that they'll beat. Yeah. Frank um, Reich started the whole going. Oh, yeah. In right. a lot yeah. of ways, they started going for fourth down before anybody else thought it was cool. You know? Well, how's that going now for the Colts? Uh, yeah. Jaguars aren't good enough to be math. No. And then the Dolph- Dolphins in Miami, week 18 is going to be a tough out, but that's not a math team. It's no. a good coach. It's a well Some math. Team. Some math. You can, you can do the. You can do the math scoreboard for us after this week. Uh, Let's talk about the Patriots offense against this Browns defense. One of the things I tweeted about earlier in the week, 
was Isaiah Wynn against Miles Garrett because that's the matchup, right? Garrett likes to line up over yeah. the left side, over the left tackle. He's been uh, limited with that foot injury, but he's going to play in this game on Sunday. It sounds like he is as he's just his fluidity is ridiculous. Like I, I don't think I've ever seen a defensive end as big as he is. Uh, I think he's like six, four two eighty. That's as fluid as he, he moves like he's a basketball player, right? Like he, 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 well, he was really, at one point. Yeah. So that makes sense because he, he really, his body moves in a way that he is not normal for a guy that's that large of a human being. And right. it makes him so difficult to block because he's so explosive and he's got power, uh, but he's also got that ability to kind of shake you with a, a speed move or uh, inside out type of move or, or whatever he wants to use and spin inside outs are kind of his two favorites. And this is a guy that you just, you can't block him one-on-one, right? That's not a good recipe. Uh, for your offense, unless you're throwing a screen or getting the ball out in less than two and a half seconds or even quicker than that, uh, spending an entire game dropping back as many times as the Patriots might need to drop back with win on Garrett one-on-one is going to, I'm not going to sit here and say that Miles Garrett's going to have five sacks, but he's eventually going to make a huge play. If you keep on right. playing with that fire, then it's a strip sack or something like that is coming. So I, I think we can safely assume that they're going to chip him. Uh, they're going to send extra protection his way. They're going to do different things to try to hold him up. But it's going to be a really tough game for Isaiah Wynn. He's going to have to bring his A game. And that's why, to me, it's so interesting that Trent Brown got activated this week or, or, or start practicing this week. Like, yeah. We don't know if he's going to be active. I promise that wasn't a Freudian slip. I legitimately yeah. don't know what's going to happen. But yeah. um, that's kind of how you beat those athletic guys, right? You make them go run through a wall. You make them run through a little over a wall. And I'm not saying Isaiah Wynn's going to get benched or anything, but whether it's, you know, a change of tempo thing, I, I, you, and, and I know that sounds like absurd. Like, you know, we like whatever we now doing change of pace backs and tackle. Like right. we've seen Bill Belichick go very outside of the box to stop elite players before. Yeah. And whether it's putting Brown in for win, if there's trouble, whether it's putting Michael Owenu next to win, and then Trent Brown in at right tackle to put some size over there, whether it's using an extra offensive lineman, a tackle eligible over on that left side on a regular basis to help contain Garrett. And that's obviously easier to do, right? If Trent Brown is healthy, however you want to line that up. Um, it's, it's really, it, it's going to be really interesting to see what they do. I do think they're going to get creative with it because also you're missing your best pass you're arguably your two best pass blocking backs yeah stevenson and in in harris so in addition to what you kind of lose as runners maybe it's you know Jakob johnson lining up as as a where a traditional running back would line up in the shotgun and then using him to block like i could run through a, a million different scenarios but i think they're going to have to do something a little bit unorthodox against him because like you said if you just kind of leave win out there with him you're just asking for disaster. It's just a matter of if, not when at that point. Yeah. So we're sorry. When, not if. Yeah, we, we got you. I, there's a yeah. couple of different game plans that I think about with the Patriots in the past, not necessarily with pass rushers because I, I, Aaron Donald's his own thing and he also plays on the interior. So it's totally it's a little different. easier. Yeah. With the interior yeah. guys but in the past, when they faced like, prime Von Miller or prime Khalil Mack or some of these other guys. Can we they've go back actually, to Dwight Freeney? 
they, Dwight Freeney, they've kind of just trusted their tackles against those guys, yeah. right? Yeah, they, for the most part. I, I think Miles Garrett's a little bit different. And I look at some of the game plans that the Patriots have had in the past against, I, I, for some reason right now, the one that's sticking out in my head is remember that Jimmy Graham game where they basically blocked him on the line of scrimmage like he was a gunner on the on the punt team? Yeah, that had, was Tlaib, right? Yeah, they had two guys just right in his face the entire game on the line of scrimmage, and they basically just didn't let him get off the line of scrimmage yeah i do remember that yeah that was awesome so, so that was like a crazy wrinkle right belichick going into right. the game was like this guy is unstoppable right now with one person we're gonna have to do something unique i wonder and maybe this is if trent brown is is ready to play and can be activated do they go six O line and do they put two offensive linemen on the left side or wherever, whichever side Garrett is on and d- literally double team right. them. Like it's a tight end staying in the block, but with Trent Brown and Isaiah win, or even if it's Justin Huron and Isaiah win or whatever other combination they have, I think he's that special. Uh, there's a chance that they might have some sort of exotic game plan wrinkle up their sleeve for miles Garrett. And then maybe you could, you know, late in the game, the Browns get sucked in by that. You leak that tackle out and we get, what was the guy's name last night? Robert Hunt. Yeah. You get a little yeah. Robert Hunt situation, yeah. but this time he's eligible. Right. Okay. Right. Quick side note. Not a bad idea. Qu- quick side note though. Robert Hunt knew he was not eligible on that play. He yes. intercepted the ball from his own running back. You're on to like, something though there because. Wait, wait hang on. Be- before yeah. you talk about the excellent point I made, let me just throw yeah. this like. <laughs> He made a conscious decision to catch that ball. Like sometimes the ball's just like in front of an offensive lineman. They're like, oh, look what I found. He like turns, he squares his shoulders. It's like textbook. Did he just think everybody would forget he wasn't eligible? That was amazing. Anyway, yeah, yeah, you go six offensive linemen and then maybe go back to the Patriots. You go six offensive linemen, right? You're keeping two guys in on Miles Garrett all game. And then fourth quarter, you know, third and five, you got to have it. Little play action. All of a sudden, where's that six lineman going? Boom, he's right in the middle of the field, five yeah. yards downfield, put it right there. Yeah. Uh, were, were any of their linemen tight ends? Like Nate Solder was a tight end right. his freshman year of college. Right, I don't right, right. think they have that guy. Oh, Ted Karras. Ted, was Ted he a Karras tight played end? in high school. In high Did school. He? he told us the other week he played a little bit of tight end in high school. Yeah. Red, so red Justin, zone tight end. Justin Haran is an a pretty athletic guy for a tackle, right? He's, he's athletic, not, but what are the hands? Yeah, I don't know if he had played any. I'm just thinking of guys that might have converted, right? I mean, he might have okay. been a, a tight end once upon a time before. Well, you got to be able to move too. He could be. He right. could be a guy. He could be a guy. Yeah, but I love the idea of the little chip and release with the with the six O line eligible, right? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's a really nice – that that could be a really cool wrinkle, even if it's on the goal line or something like that or fourth see, it's, and it's, one. You're going to see it coming on the goal line. you got to run that like in the – again, like a third and short, third and medium towards yeah. the middle of the field is where you run that. If they run this, then I hope everybody that listens to the pod this like, week remembers this segment. Absolutely. That, that would be fantastic. Um, I love that. Cause what do you think – no, go ahead. No, go ahead. I, I, I saw a couple of different instances – where teams did have their tight ends do the old chip and release right against cloudy or against Garrett. And those guys, they think they're getting engaged and uh, the the linebackers or the, the safeties kind of bail out of the coverage on them because they think that they're blocking there. That has worked a couple of times over the last few weeks now with tight ends, obviously releasing up field and not tackles, but I mean, Hey, why, why not add a little bit of a wrinkle to it? Well, I mean, I think, and I wrote this in my game plan this morning. Like I think, you know, 
check and release is a should be a big part of the game plan this week for the Patriots, whether yeah. it's with tight ends or with running backs. I think that that sort of play is, like you said, I mean, it's beat the Browns this year. It's something I'd like to see them run a couple times. We saw a good one last week, right, against the Panthers. It was Brandon Bolden who that, that one Mac just floated it over the defensive yeah. end, dotted to him, and they picked up a, a good gain on it. Um, I think check and release should be a part of it. What, what, do you, what did you think, Mr. Offensive Line, of my uh, change of pace tackle idea? I'll just kick – like, I just thought of that sitting down right now. I kind of yeah. didn't know where I was going with it. But, like, if we're going outside of the box, change of pace tackle? So I remember in 2018 – or maybe it was this year. I think it was 2018. Uh, Trent Brown was talking about – how he wanted to flip sides. Oh, that was right? 2018. I do yeah. remember that. Yes. Yeah, so that's what it kind of made me think of. So Trent Brown was saying, and, and Miles Garrett's not typically one of those guys that flip sides, but a lot of these great pass rushers will flip sides. If they like the matchup right. on the right side, then they'll line up one week Both over the two right weeks tackle. Ago. Yeah, next week they'll line up over the left tackle. And Trent Brown, like, a cornerback shadowing a wide receiver essentially wanted to travel with the best right. pass rusher on the other team. And I thought that why don't teams do that more often, especially for a guy like Trent Brown that can flip so seamlessly because he has his entire career flip back and forth from left to right tackle. Some guys, as we found out with even a guy like a reserve player, like Justin Ferran, he's a left tackle. Right. He's right. much more comfortable on the left side. Some guys are like that. This guy's a left tackle. He's not a right tackle. But with guys like Trent Brown, who are unique, that can switch side to side week to week or game to game or even play to play. I love that idea. And maybe you're onto something. Right. Isaiah Wynn is more of the positional. Uh, let's call him finesse blocker to a degree. Right. Trent Brown is more of the road grader, the, the the big guy. If he's ready to go, I mean, maybe, yeah. May, or maybe it's just to keep him fresh, right? It's kind of just right. a, a way to make sure that the guy that's going up against Miles Garrett is always fresh. Maybe that's another way to do it as well. Well, I mean, great pass rushers like Miles Garrett, they have moves with like, for people who don't know how it works, for, for the most part with pass rushers, you're trying to get after the quarterback every play, but there's also sequencing to it, right? You're yeah. not bringing out your A move on every play because the other guy's going to size it up. You're, you know, you go a little harder on some plays than others. Just it's a game, it's a chess match, right? So, really good pass rushers, they have setups and they can be four, five, six play setups where, you know, it's, it's move A, then move B, then back right. to A, then C. And it's all leading up to, you know, they know if they hit certain moves in a certain order, the, the final move is one that they know they can get to the quarterback on. They'll cl beat the guy clean. Yeah. And so if you're dealing with Miles Garrett, he's going through a setup, and this can span drives, right? This can span multiple drives. So, right, he's getting Isaiah Wynn set up, and he's getting him set up. He's getting him set up. And then he's getting ready to go for the finisher, and, well, okay, now here's Trent Brown. So now right. you've got to go back, right? Now you've got to go back to square one and start the setup again. So, Again, we're getting way out of the box here. This, no, this is, is great. Very hypothetical, but honestly, the best segments on the show are when we talk big picture hypothetical football. Yeah. So, oh, maybe, maybe we see it. I don't know. I would love to see something different. That's all I'm saying, whether yeah. it's switching those guys out. And we're talking a lot about Trent Brown. I, I don't know if Trent Brown's going to be activated for this game on Sunday, but the fact that he was out there for the padded session on Wednesday, and there is some optimism, right? There, there's some growing optimism that he's going to be back at some point, whether it's this week, next week, we, we don't really know. But clearly he's out there for a reason. And clearly they feel like he's going to be able to come back. 
but I wanted to hit on uh, with Trent Brown, and I want to move on to the to the running backs as well. Uh, with Trent Brown, I, I'm kind of torn on this about. Basically, it's a conversation of do you go with the hot hands, do you go with what's working, or do you go for the higher ceiling offensive line? Clearly, the highest ceiling that the Patriots have on the offensive line is to go back to the line that they planned on having going into the season with Trent Brown at right tackle and on Wendu at guard and the other three guys in their same spots. But this line with Karras in the starting lineup and on Wendu back to right tackle has really spearheaded a much better offensive performance from the line for the last month or so, right? Really since Isaiah Wynn and on when you got over the COVID thing last three games, the line play has been significantly better in, in both phases as in pass protection and in run blocking. So it's a little bit like a, a hockey team, right? Where the backup goalie gets hot, right? And, but right. The, the starting goalie is, is a Vezina winner, but the backup goalie gets hot. Uh, what, do you go back to the starter? Or, or do you keep the, the backup in there to keep it rolling? It's a, it's a tough decision because I think this is ultimately – this is a huge decision for this team of whether or not to shake it up again, right? Because you finally found five, a combination of five that is working, that's now had about a month of practice together, is building some continuity together and some chemistry together, and now we're going to shake the whole thing up again. Well, I mean, if they're going to use six linemen this week, then that buys them a week to answer that question, right? Um, I I mean, I think it just the, the potential upside with Trent Brown, I think you have to try it. Like, remember, yeah. remember the first drive of the season? Yeah. They go for like 34 yards off yeah. right tackle, and it was just everybody knew it was coming, and they still did it. I think the upside of the running game with Brown healthy is worth giving it a shot. Now – it's a balance of, okay, how long are you going to try this versus how short of a leash are you going to give it? Right. Um, and that's, you know, we go back and forth. It's not even a conversation. It's just like a hypothetical question. But right. I do think it's worth at least giving it a shot. Maybe not this week. I wouldn't experiment with the offensive line against Miles Garrett. Uh, right. Next week against Atlanta, though, especially on a short week, too, where you're not going to have a ton of practice time anyway. Um, so you're not really screwing with the chemistry. Yeah, throw Trent Brown in there next week for a little bit, see how it goes. I, I I'm tempted to stay with the hot hands because right now that this five man combination. So you don't even you don't even want to try. It's not that I don't want to try. It's it's hard because I do want to try, right? Trent Brown's a really good player. But the problem that I have with Trent Brown is basically since that 2018 season with the Patriots, he's never been healthy. He wasn't healthy for two years with the Raiders. Right. And he hasn't been healthy so far this year with the Patriots. So I think the biggest risk that you run into is you try it again. You put him back at right tackle. You go back to that original line and then he gets hurt again. And now we're shaking the whole thing up again. Right. And, and maybe it'll be easier this time to get to that. Right. But uh, now you, you know, the group behind them works. Right. So maybe that's a little bit of a, of a more uh, of a safety blanket or an insurance policy that will work out a little bit smoother this time. But you don't want to put the line back into a rut like it was in for the first, you know, a- after Trent Brown went out really for the first month of the season or six weeks of the season. The line play was not good enough. And you just want to be careful was screwing up all of the chemistry and screwing up all the progress that you've, that you've made. And I, I know that everybody comes at me about Isaiah Wynn. They come at me on Twitter about it. You come at me in the chat about it. Isaiah Wynn is not going anywhere. I'm telling you right now, 
I, I will bet the the rent that Isaiah Wynn is going to stay exactly where he's played for the first four years of his Patriot career right at left tackle. That is where they see him. He's not a guard in their eyes. He's a first-round pick with a $10 million team option next year that they have already picked up. I, I just don't – I get that some people think that Trent Brown is a better left tackle than Isaiah Wynn, and he very well might be. But I, I do not think that that's the move. If Trent Brown's going back in the starting lineup, he's going back in as a right tackle. And Mike Onwenu is going back to guard, and Ted Karras is going back to the bench. Right? That, that's what they're going to do. And it's – it's it, I can't tell you how many times I get blown up on a single-day basis, Alex, with people telling me that they should put Trent Brown in at left tackle instead of Isaiah Wynn. It, it's just – it's a common trope at this point. Yeah, I – he, if he's going anywhere, it's the bench. Yeah, he's going. He's not moving positions. Would I wouldn't sleep on them benching him? Maybe not now these last couple of weeks, but you know he did have that rough stretch in the middle of the season. If he struggles again, yeah. I wouldn't put it past them to maybe bench him for Trent Brown. But here's here's the other thing about it: if Trent, if Trent Brown is healthy, like hypothetically, if Trent Brown is healthy, he's their third best tackle. Yeah. So maybe he comes out of the lineup, but he's not. He's not going to guard. He's right. not. He's not going to guard. If you're going to move it, the other the other dumb part of that is, if you're going to move any tackle to guard, it's on Wenu because he's actually a guard. Right. So forget the fact that he's not moving. There's a guy who it makes more sense to move. Yeah. Isaiah Wynn's playing tackle and Trent Brown are playing tackle. If they're both in the lineup, one's at right, one's at left, and that's it. Right. I mean, that, that's all it is. All right. right. Running backs. Uh, Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson not spotted at practice. I've been kind of uh, stretching this show out a little bit because we should get the injury report here at the top of the hour. So hopefully we can hit that real quickly before we sign off. But no Damian Harris, no Ramondre Stevenson. There was definitely some optimism that both of those guys are going to clear concussion protocol in time to play on Sunday. They still could a clear concussion protocol. Somebody reminded me uh, today, Alex, that Sam Darnold actually officially cleared on Saturday and played in the game on Sunday against the Patriots. So there is a potential, uh, there is the ability that those two guys could clear or one of those two guys could clear tomorrow and the heat, they could play in the game on Sunday. But regardless of that, uh, Brandon Bolden's probably going to get a ton of snaps because even if those two guys clear, they haven't practiced all week and it's going to be a a situation where Brandon Bolden's been the guy that's been available all all week long. JJ Taylor is probably going to be active in this game. You would think, and we could potentially see some Johnny Smith in the backfield and getting some carries as well. How, how bad was Todd Gurley last year? Like, did I miss something? So I think Duke, biggest, or Duke Johnson, like, did I miss yeah. again? I, I've been on this since week three, but did I miss something with these guys that you couldn't yeah. bring them in here on the practice squad for a week and, and just give them like five or six carries, just an extra body yeah. on, on Sunday. Cause here's the other thing about this Browns defensive front. They'll F you up. This is a mean, nasty group. And you're, if you go into this game with two running backs, we would have it. They lost two running backs last week. Right. You know, like it's just, a, it's a body's issue. It's nothing against Brandon Bolden or JJ Taylor, yeah. but it's a pure depth issue. So it's going to be really interesting. Yeah. I think John, who gets some carries, I, another thing I've been calling for all year that we haven't seen bring back the pop pass to Nelson Aguilar. I missed the pop pass. It was so effective with Brandon yeah. Cooks. You have a player with similar speed to Nelson Aguilar. You can simulate the running game without needing the running backs. 
give me the it, it, look. They can run it to Bourne. It can run it to to Johnu. Like I think it makes the most sense for Aguilar, but run it to whoever. But bring yeah. back the pop pass this week, or or things like that. End arounds. Like they're going to need to get really creative and simulate the run because the opportunities for traditional running may not be there a ton. Yeah. So. Uh, back to Todd Gurley real fast. I think the one other than his knees, which might be just done, right? I mean, no NFL team has signed him. So. I know the man's twenty-seven. That's but there's a chance that his knees are just are just shot. But besides the injuries, uh, with LA and just in general, a very very uh, outside zone heavy runner, right? That's a guy that he likes to run behind zone blocking. And the Patriots are a power team. And I don't know schematically if it's the best of fits. But he can also respect. he can catch the ball and he can block. He's a great player when he's healthy. I don't think he's healthy. If he was healthy, right, he'd enough. be on a team. Duke uh, Johnson? Duke Johnson in the pass catching role, right? I, I guess so. But I think that they really well, Duke believe. Johnson actually did sign. Uh, oh, did he really? Yeah, he I mean, signed with the Dolphins last week. I totally missed that. He's on their practice squad. There you go. They could still technically sign him, but all right. right. So I, I I think you also look at that one and you see Brandon Bolden kind of emerging in this passing downs back role as much as I got I'm on sorry. Brandon Bolden early on in the season. Hang on. Duke Johnson's real name is Randy? Are you sure? Yeah, look at it right now. His name's Randy Johnson, like the pitcher. That's awesome. I love. I knew I loved Duke Johnson for a reason. Sorry, it's Friday afternoon. I'm losing it. Go ahead. It's okay. So I, I think we're going to see a lot of Brandon Bolden. I do think JJ Taylor. Ha- I mean, he's got to be active if if Ramondre or Damian Harris can't play in this game, then he's going to have to be active, right? I mean, there's no way they're going to go into the game with two running backs. I do think that you could see Johnny Smith channeling his uh, Cordell Patterson in this game a little bit. I, I don't think it's going to be 10 carries, but we might be talking about five or six carries at, for Johnny Smith on Monday or Tuesday afternoon when we do the show. So we'll see. I mean, look, if they lose a back in the game, then Johnny Smith is going to be a, a lot larger role. And uh, they didn't let him talk today. And uh, you, you kind of pointed out that maybe that was because he didn't want them to, you know, him to get questions about playing running back and things like that. So uh, may, maybe that's along the, you're onto something there. It, it feels like this is going to have to be a put together with duct tape type of running attack though. Even if Harris and Stevenson are ready to go, I'm not sure how much they're going to carry the football after basically not practicing all week long. Yeah. I mean, you feel like they might be decoys. Yeah. And look, it's, I mean, it's, it's evened out, right? Cause the Browns don't have, have Chubb or uh hunt or um, Demetri you know, Felton. rookie Felton. Thank you. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not like the Patriots are the only team in this game dealing with that, but yeah, it's right. it's, it's going to be interesting. Okay, and uh, just kind of putting this all together, probably a pretty good uh, chance that Mac Jones dropped back to pass a decent amount in this game. Yeah. And the last couple of weeks, last week he only threw 18 passes. Uh, the week before that, struggled a little bit with the Chargers defense. Two turnovers against the Panthers. Not exactly the cleanest Mac Jones has looked over the last two weeks. This brown secondary and back seven uh, they might get a joke back Uh, i'm not going to try to say his name the rookie from notre dame uh he's a great player if they do get him back he's somebody that made an impact right away for them earlier on in the season before he got injured but other than denzel ward uh, and uh johnson he's kind of like a center fielder he's sort of their devin mccordy not necessarily like a man-to-man type of guy Uh, they played a decent amount of zone back there and Denzel Ward's kind of the only guy that 
truly scares you, right? I mean, uh, Newsom on the other side's a rookie. Uh, the slot cornerback position would joke in and out of the lineup has been a little bit up in the air. So they, you can throw on this Browns team if you can protect, right? If you can hold Miles Garrett in right. check, uh, and that's much easier said than done. Uh, but they're, I think it's uh, 19th to get the pass right now in DVOA. So this is not a good. Uh, great or elite pass defense like the Chargers or the Panthers had. They they were much more uh, dynamic on all three levels. And this is one of those games we used to talk about it with with Tom Brady all the time, right? Where the quarterback can be his own best pass protector. Three yeah. step drop, back foot, boom, balls out. I think it's got to be one of those kind of games. Uh, I think you got to look for for Jacoby Myers to have a big game, Kendrick Bourne to have a big game uh, on the on those kind of quick in breaking routes. Yeah, you can't be you can't be waiting in the pocket. There's just not going to be time for it. I think it, it's going to be the short passing game and in kind of nickel and diming down the field. Yeah, it's a quick game special, right? Spread it out, get the ball right. out, uh, hit all those quick game concepts, dink and dunk it down the field, be efficient in the passing game. Uh, you want to see Mac Jones have a high completion rate, even if his yards per attempt is not necessarily that high. Uh, you want him to be around 70% completions because you want him to be getting uh, into those quick game concepts. Uh, you know, things like slant, pick, flat type of plays, um, outs uh, with, with the clear out on the verticals and just reading uh, – the zone drop or the man drops from the linebackers and throwing it to the open window and getting that hand uh, ball out quickly is going to be the type of game this is last week the Patriots receivers I, I think had what like three catches on the entire game I mean they only threw it 18 times so it wasn't uh, it was partially a volume thing uh, but it's definitely going to have to be a much bigger game for the Patriots wideouts than what we saw against Carolina yeah, I mean, I think Kendrick Bourne was the only receiver with multiple catches. I think they had yeah. four total. Bourne had one. Or Bourne, yeah, no, right. they only had, no, yeah, they only had three. Total. Bourne had three, and Jacoby Myers had one catch for eight yards, and that was it from the wide receiver. Bourne had three. Okay, yeah. So, got yeah, got to be more involved in that this week. Absolutely. Got to be more involved. All right, as we wait for this injury report, I do want to put a bow on the Odell Beckham Jr. quest saga, whatever you want to call it, sweepstakes. Um, so basically, uh, Jordan Rodriguez and the athletic did a great piece on the behind the scenes of the Rams. Um, she's got great sources with the Los Angeles Rams. So good for her. Uh, she basically said that this was 110% a player driven recruitment of Odell Beckham jr. To the Rams. And that's why the Rams remained the mystery team for as long as they did. Right. Everybody else, right. there was leaks from agents. There was leaks from coaching staffs about, everybody else that they could, uh, uh, you know, he could go to. But the Rams uh, were one team that flew really under the radar. I was told today, of course, after the fact, that uh, Odell Beckham Jr. has been talking about wanting to play in L.A. for a pretty good amount of time at this point. Really, since the Rams moved back to Los Angeles, uh, he's been interested in going to Los Angeles. But they didn't get into it until really late in the process. So that's why you didn't hear a ton about the Rams. And and that's why he was kind of looking elsewhere for a little bit. The Patriots, it sounds like out of respect for each other, mutual respect. They at least had a conversation with Odell Beckham Jr., but it doesn't sound like that conversation ever got real, right? It didn't really ever get to the point where they were talking about him actually really coming to New England and having con contract talks and negotiations and all that kind of stuff. So there were six teams that ultimately came down to the mystery team ended up being the Rams, but the Rams and the Packers were easily the two teams that had the best chance all along of getting Odell Beckham Jr. Uh, do you feel 
I I was pro Odell from the beginning. I wanted him here, so I'm not going to back off that now that he didn't sign here. But Alex, do you feel like they dodged a bullet or do you feel like they missed out? Um, I mean, it would have been nice if they had him. I don't want to say that they missed out. You know, I, I, I that to me implies that it's, you know, a, a negative. They didn't get him like he would have been nice to have. But I don't you know. Yeah, this wasn't the difference between them winning a Super Bowl and not. So it, it, from that standpoint, the, they weren't a top contender before this. They're not a top contender after it. Um, right. I think Mac growing with the receivers he has is certainly not a bad thing. It would have been a fun story. Like I was looking forward to it as it would have been a fun do- story down the stretch. I think it might have sped up Mac Jones' development a little bit. Yeah. But I mean, and I was I was even on record as saying if they got him, I didn't want them to give him a contract extension after the season. So I was never that attached to Beckham. I didn't want him at the trade deadline. So you know, eh, it sucks. It would have been fun, but I, I'm not. You know, there's no need to panic. And this isn't a case of. Oh, nobody wants to come play in New England. No, there's no shame in losing to the Rams. The Rams are the hot team right now. Right. Uh, they're getting everybody. Everybody wants to play there. They're going to win the Super Bowl. Like, it's, yeah. I it, To me, it, it's a fun week. It's a fun week. It's over. Oh, well, whatever. You move on. I, I don't think it was. I, I, I'm not going all sports radio. Right report you and, by the way. And say, okay, we'll do it in a sec. I'm not going all sports media on you and saying that, the, oh, nobody wants to come here because clearly we just watch an off season where everybody came here, right? So it's really not not that. But I do think that you are maybe a, a, a year away from attracting a free agent wide receiver of Odell Beckham Jr.'s caliber of his star status to play with your quarterback, right? Matthew Stafford can attract a guy like that. Aaron Rodgers can attack, attract a guy like that. Russell Wilson can throw his name in the hat and attract a guy like that. I think the biggest sticking point that you had for the Patriots with Odell was one, they're not an immediate Super Bowl contender, most likely, right. even if Odell comes here. And two, he's playing with a rookie QB. And this isn't that Max not good enough or anything like that. It's just a commentary on the fact that maybe the Patriots are a year away from being that move, from the, from getting that move right, done, right, to getting right. that type of player. And, and what I look at is – Buffalo uh, with Stephon Diggs, that trade came after two seasons with Josh Allen, right? After they had two years of development with Josh Allen, and they felt like if we get that player now, we can really compete in the AFC and we're ready to be in an AFC championship game. That's when they pulled the trigger on that move. The Patriots, maybe next offseason, because they might be a little bit ahead of the curve in terms of uh, what the Bills were with Allen, right? I mean, the, he looks, Mack looks miles ahead of where Josh Allen did after his rookie season. So maybe they're a little bit ahead of the timeline that Buffalo laid out, but next off season, maybe after Max second year in the league, that's when maybe a guy like Diggs is caliber or Beckham's caliber will be willing to come here and play with Mac Jones. Well, and I'll, I'll give you a couple, an interesting thought I've had. I've had this thought for a couple of weeks. I'm ready to like put it out there. I workshopped it. Um, how happy do you think, Jalen Waddle is in Miami. Yeah, that's a good. How question. happy do you think Devonta Smith is in Philly? Like yeah. I, the re, so the reason I bring up those two, and I'll 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 add, was it one or two other names to this? Um, and yeah, you know what? How happy is Jerry Judy in Denver? Right. The reason I bring up those names is those are all guys who played with Mac Jones in college. Yeah, those are all Alabama receivers who played with Mac Jones. There's a built-in recruiting like when those guys if those guys pull 
a Stefan Diggs and they want out and, and maybe Waddle's different. Waddle, you'd have to wait to get to free agency because Miami wouldn't trade him here. But let's say Devonta Smith says, you know what? Philly can't find a quarterback. The fans here are awful. I just, yeah. I don't want to do it anymore. I want out. Patriots are probably going to be high on this list. Yeah. Like remember after the draft, they asked all the Alabama receivers Tua or Mac, and they all said Mac without hesitation. Like, those guys loved playing with Mac. Yeah. So I, you know, keep it's going to happen. It happens with all these receivers. They all run their way out of town. Right. So just keep that in the back of your mind. When Devonta Smith gets fed up in Philly or Jerry Judy gets fit up in Den- fed up in Denver, those would be like Waddle would be cool. I think there's a couple of reasons it doesn't work. But if actually when's Jerry Judy a free agent? He's coming up. I, I mean, so, Waddle and Smith are, are rookies. So it's going right, to be so a that's, time. Smith, yeah. Well, Smith if he wanted to trade potentially. Right. But yeah, when Jerry Jude is a free agent, I mean, he obviously wasn't a starter when Mac was there, but they played together. They were there together. They were in the locker room. They were playing together at practice. So just there's a strong, and then there's still guys coming. Somebody mentioned John Mechie in the chat, Jaleel Billingsley, like, yeah, you know, if these guys get drafted somewhere, they don't want to be, they play out a year or two, just like there's going to be a pipeline of guys who want to play for Mac. We're all coming from Alabama. Just 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 give it a minute because I think he is going to be able to recruit some of the best receivers in the game just through that Alabama pipeline as soon as that opportunity becomes available. It just has to become available. Calvin, I, I don't know what Calvin Ridley's situation is, right. too, but if he comes back and well, the Patriots you, know, you should, you should the take Patriots all time he wants. Drafted Calvin Ridley. Calvin right. Ridley was right there for them. And they yeah. If, I, if I he decides he needs to change a scenery, yeah. I, I agree no. with your point, especially with uh, Waddle and Smith, because Smith won a Heisman Trophy uh, with Mac Jones. And Jalen Waddle has also been on the record saying that he preferred Mac over Tua before the Dolphins drafted him, right? And then he right. gets drafted and he has to play with Tua. So they're both rookies on their rookie contracts. We're a long ways away from those guys being able to force their way out of their respective teams. We saw what happened when Nikhil Harry tried to force a trade out of New England. That didn't go so well. Well, look at Odell. So, Odell forced himself out on his rookie deal. Was that? I think he signed his extension and then got traded. Correct. No, the extension was part of the trade. Remember? Was it? I thought he got the. Regardless, I'll double check. That was year four for Odell when he eventually muscled his way out of New York, right, and and got the Cleveland. Yeah. Oh, you're right. He signed extension the year before. Yeah. 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 So we're still a little bit of a ways away there, but But that's something to keep keep in the back of your head. That's my point, though, and I I agree with your line of thinking in that. This right now, this opportunity with Odell Beckham Jr. was too soon for the Patriots, right? Yeah. It just was too soon to be, especially because he was a free agent and it wasn't just a trade that they could give, they could outbid everybody and get the player via trade. Because it was a free agent sweepstakes and the fact that he had all these options on the table, they just were not the most qualified option for a player that's 29 years old, that's looking to compete for a Super Bowl, that's looking to be a part of a, something uh, bigger than in terms of uh, success than maybe what the Patriots could offer him. They just weren't ready yet for the Odell move. The, the Odell move will come. Maybe it's this offseason, maybe it's next offseason. But uh, right now with Odell, it was just too soon. All right, let's get to this injury report. Uh, good news for the Patriots, I suppose, uh, if you want to look at it that uh, way. It's, it's better than I thought it was going to be. So Yeah, both running backs, Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, are questionable officially for Sunday's game. They did not practice all three days. They did not practice on Friday, but they could still be cleared a la Sam Darnold last week with the Panthers to by tomorrow at the deadline, to, I think is tomorrow afternoon. Uh, you have to 
technically clear by. So is it is it the same? Oh no, it's a one o'clock game. So four o'clock tomorrow. Yeah, I believe it's four o'clock tomorrow that they have to technically clear by. So the Patriots at least list those two as questionable. So there is definitely a chance. There's a chance. We're saying there's a chance that they play in the game on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, and then Gunner's questionable too. Everybody's questionable except Jamie Collins, who's doubtful. So right, it feels and it sucks because this probably would have been a good game to have Jamie Collins. Doubtful generally means out. Uh, yeah. It would have been a good game to have Jamie Collins, but yeah, all things considered, I think this—if you're a Patriots fan, this is realistically uh, as promising a report as you could have hoped for. Yeah, on the uh, Brown side of things, uh, J.C. Treader is good to go. Uh, that was maybe a scare or something like that. Yeah, to they took everybody there. off. Except yeah. for two players, they didn't. Yeah. Like, they didn't even list Garrett. He didn't practice twice. Yeah, they they did some funny business with their injury report this week. They 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 were playing some games over there with that injury report. Uh, that's for sure. A bunch of guys questionable though. I think a lot of these guys will end up playing though for the Patriots. And once again, Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson officially questionable for this game on Sunday for New England and with concussions. They're always freaky. They're always weird. You never really actually know what's going to happen with those. But I think that they both have a a chance to play. I think we can at least say that, especially with the questionable designation. All right. So Alex and I will be back on the show on Tuesday to recap Patriots Browns. It's a quick turnaround. So we might do a show Tuesday, Wednesday, or try to pack it all into one show next week. We'll figure that out. Maybe we'll do Tuesday, Wednesday. We could even do potentially, uh, you're not going to Atlanta, are you? I am going to Atlanta. Oh, you are going to Atlanta. Okay. I was going to say maybe Thursday. Yes, but my flight is uh, pretty early on Thursday morning. No Thursday morning show then. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe we can do a show on Wednesday and we'll, we'll do them back to back to preview uh, Patriots Falcons. That's going to be a really interesting game too. I keep on saying that because this is a very, very, very physical game coming up on Sunday against Cleveland. And then you have a quick turnaround. The Patriots are a better team than the Falcons, but they have to go to Atlanta without much prep, without much practice on the short week on a Thursday night after coming off of a really physical trenches, battle uh, with the Cleveland Browns so a tough five six day stretch here for the Patriots with the Browns and then the Thursday nighter right after that so we'll have you covered right here on Patriots beat on Patriots press pass and uh, Alex and I will both be at the game on Sunday at Gillette Stadium Alex on 98.5 myself on clnsmedia.com covering Patriots Browns so keep it right here and we will see you next week thanks for watching everybody and have a good weekend